morning and welcome to Burn After Pitching, the comedy pitching podcast where we have a group of creators on to pitch their ideas on a subject, a theme. Uh, we've had people do everything from a Venom movie, Baskin Robbins ice cream flavor, to full-on reboots of John Hughes movies. Uh, this episode is very special. Uh, we have a, two new guests uh, joining us, but first let me introduce you to our uh, regular returning panelists and often uh, hosts... If I'm not available, oh, this is Michael Tanner, by the way. Uh, let Andy, tell him about yourself. Hello, this is Andy Nornval. Uh, welcome, everyone, to May. Anyone who is following hashtag Mermaid 2022, I'm doing a novel for the month with artist Paige Barr. Just uh, go to my Instagram or her Instagram and check it out. Uh, also, I think, isn't Orcs in Space Volume 2 out now or soon? Uh, it is, uh, it's, it's out. It will have hit a couple of weeks ago. Uh, hopefully you guys all went to free comic book day and, uh, uh, got bought copies of it. Not for free. Please buy that comic. I need money. Anyway, Andy, this is about you. It's about you. Okay. Tell, tell us more about Mermaid. Tell us more about other stuff. Okay. Well, it's from none of the people who came up with Inktober, but it's very much the same idea. Mermaid is Mermaid illustrations. There are 31 prompts. I think you can find them at mermaid.com. And uh, in the in the spirit of comeback, chasing that sweet nostalgia vibe, I'm doing a, another another book based on uh, 31 prompts. The other one, by the way, available at Amazon now, is with uh, frequent burn after pitching superstar Don Wynn, also Pablo the Gorilla. Uh, this one is with uh, artist I just met at WonderCon. Isn't it great we can go to cons again? Although get faxed. Uh, Paige Barr, she's at at Page Arts Around and. Uh, We've only done the first couple chapters, so I'm not sure what it's going to be, but it will be interesting. You know, I very I spend very little time on Instagram, but one of the hashtags that I follow is actually Mermay. Um, so that's pretty cool. And joining us for the first time, we have Chuck Satterley. Chuck, tell me about yourself. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Chuck Satterley. I am a comic book writer and uh I currently have a Kickstarter going. Um, the Kickstarter is for a series I did a while back with uh, someone you may have heard of named Norm Brayfogle, um, arguably one of the greatest uh, Batman artists of all time. And uh, I'll fight you if you disagree. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I don't. Norm is amazing. That is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Go, Norm. Um, we did nine issues together of, of Bitter Souls. And so I'm taking this and putting it all into a... Uh, in a hardcover, oversized, 400-page omnibus uh, that is on Kickstarter right now. It ends uh, middle of next week, and um, we have a $20,000 funding goal, and we are 92% funded. It's a project we love, uh, and there's some pretty cool things in there, including an Alan Grant forward, uh, his longtime collaborator on Batman, and then a Len Straczewski afterward, his collaborator on Prime. Uh this is the largest body of work that Norm ever did on an indie comic, including his own um, his own series, Metaphysique. So I'm very excited to get this out there uh, to a bunch of people that may have not seen it before. Doing some other books, but I could talk about those another time. Um, that's it of Bitter Souls. All right, Chuck, that's awesome. Norm Brayfogle, for me, is the the guy who uh, made the long demon Batman ears look cool. Yeah. So he de he deserves all the props for that. He's That's really, like, 
top-notch uh, his uh, contribution and when I think of him. <laughs> All right. And now we've got another new guest. We've got Don. Don, tell us about yourself. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, I am Don Walker. I am the uh, writer, artist of all things Dork Empire, Inc., including Agent Wild, Reaper Corps, and the upcoming Dreadlock the Barbarian. That should be out in August. Uh, I, too, have a Kickstarter that will launch on May 20th. Uh, it's called The Dawn, which is my, my pen name for comics. Uh, the Dawn, sketchbook number two. Futures, and it will feature uh, 20 all-new upcoming Dork Empire Inc. characters, uh, all presented in uh, beautiful raw pencil art form uh, for future characters for everybody to check out. So look out for that in May, May 20th. I'm happy to be here, by the way. Thank you very much for inviting me. Awesome. We we love having you on, Don. Uh, Don is one of my favorite people from uh, hanging out at conventions in Southern California when I lived in Southern California. So I hope to see you soon next time I make it down that way. Um, and this is our panel for today for this very awesome episode of Burn After Pitching. Now, if you don't know, because I don't know, maybe I'll send out some tweets ahead of time to tease what the topic is. Today's topic is comebacks we know a lot of beloved actors need a comeback vehicle where would john travolta be without the motion picture michael where he played an angel or phenomenon where he played a guy who had a phenomenon where would he be without these motion pictures he'd be nowhere every good actor needs a comeback nicholas cage has embraced his comebackness with his uh movie with that title that now escapes me unbearable genius of nicholas cage whatever it's called supposedly great but there are other actors of massive talent exactly exactly maybe we should pitch alternative names for that movie i don't know i feel like they are very much going with <laughs> let's do being john malkovich but not Artie, because uh, you know yeah. i feel like john malkovich didn't need a comeback because he didn't really go anywhere but he was definitely an art house actor and that made him a um a household name actor um, and now he's on Space Force on Netflix with Steve Carell, a show that the first season is actually pretty good. The second season, not so much. Anyway, that's my hot take on Space Force. It also just got canceled. Yeah, it makes sense. I couldn't get through the the first. I couldn't get through the second episode of that second season. I felt terrible because I liked the first one. Same. I think I think my wife and I made it through episode three, and then we're like, oh, we're not really enjoying this anymore. What? Let's cancel now. So. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of near here nor there now but, but you know also everything on netflix is canceled apparently basically <laughs> or never, yeah or never started <laughs> um but anyway back <laughs> on track here we're pitching comeback vehicles for our favorite stars um we gave our panelists the general parameter pick a celebrity then pick what their combat their comeback vehicle should be and then what an example of it would be. So I'm going to go first because I have mine because mine's pretty short. And I just kind of came up with this, came up with it this morning when I was actually uh, explaining the the process to Chuck. So my comeback vehicle or my comeback actor is Kelsey Grammer. He's been out of the spotlight for a while. Uh, sure, he had a cameo as Beast in Deadpool 2. Sure, he does operas now. 
but he needs to make a triumphant return to a regular appearing piece of media. So my pitch is for Kelsey Grammer to have a comeback vehicle, and that comeback vehicle is a celebrity podcast because we know that there are not enough podcasts out there in the world and that celebrities should be doing more of those podcasts. Kelsey Grammer hosting a podcast, but what kind of podcast you may ask? He is hosting the number one most popular, most overdone podcast of all time, a true crime podcast. Oh, but why is Kelsey Grammer doing a true crime podcast? Because let's say it's something he's into, but what's the hook? What's the thing that makes you go, oh, I would listen to Kelsey Grammer uh, talk about true crime. This is a true crime podcast where he has a guest from one of his two most popular shows, Cheers or Frasier, and they talk about a true crime and relate it to an episode of the show they were on together. So my sample episode of the true crime Kelsey Grammer podcast, which I think might be called... um, uh, Toss Salad and Scrambled Deads, which I know that's a lot of work. I know that's a lot of work for that that title, but I'm I, I, that's what I'm sticking with right now. So, Toss Salad and Scrambled Deads, first episode, asked Shelley Long, where they discuss the ep- the Cheers episode from season two, Homicidal Ham. Now, what is the episode of Homicidal Ham about? Uh, Sam, played by um, Ted Danson sets a Shelley Long's character up on a blind date with a homicidal ex-con. Uh, and I believe this that happened in a previous episode, but the character is brought back in this episode where the homicidal blind date wants to become an actor and Shelley Long's character wanted to be an actress. So they work together and they're doing a scene from Othello, the famous scene where Othello murders Desdemona. So in the, um, in the episode... Uh, Shelley Long is dreading getting to that part of the scene because uh, she's afraid he's going to try to kill her. And lo and behold, he does try to kill her on stage and Ted Danson, Sam, comes and save her. So that, they discuss that episode and then relate it to the famous 70s dating game killer, Rodney Alcala, who was on the dating game and uh, was actually secretly uh, a serial killer. So they would talk about these two episodes and how they intersect and um, about uh, the similarities between the plots. And that would be the basic idea of the Kelsey Grammer true crime podcast, Toss Salad and Scrambled Deads. And that is my pitch for a comeback vehicle for Mr. Kelsey Grammer. Thoughts, opinions, notes? I I listen to that. Better than money playing. That... All right, everyone that would get my oh, that wow. would get my vote. Uh, <laughs> I, I would I would tune in. Any, no, any... Grammar, Grammar's one of my favorites. Uh, I know when I got uh, HBO Max like last year, first thing I did was uh, binge Cheers and Frasier. Nice over over like two months. This, I watched all of that. <laughs> I love Kelsey Grammer, so. I'm glad it's true crime because Kelsey Grammer, he's one of those a wonderfully likable actor, but like the more you know about him is inversely proportional to how much you like him. Yeah. So keeping it away from him and his views, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I would not want to hear him weigh in on current politics. Um, <laughs> but man, it blew my mind. I was watching an old episode of Frasier and they referenced Frasier turning 40. 
And at that point, I was, uh, I think I was 39. <laughs> I was like, Frazier's 40? What? <laughs> and um, <laughs> it really made me feel like, um, like a failure as a person. But that's enough about me and my issues with Kelsey Grammer and Frazier. Um, that was a cocaine 40, though. Like, <laughs> cocaine 40. What Andy? <laughs> tell me more about that. What it was that is is that means you look older or you you accomplish more? I would assume so because I mean you slept about as much as like uh, a lot less. So would that make you younger or older? The lack of sleep. But you get more done. That's why his house is always so clean. Yeah. Well, you know you've you brought yourself into a. 40 year um cocaine uh binge that's gonna weigh on you you know it's uh that's why he's that's why he became a therapist because he's really <laughs> talking out his own issues you know what they say those therapists they're the crazy ones am i right am i right <laughs> uh, i gotta say woody had uh other recreational activities. he's looking he's pretty, pretty good I, I don't know what that says yeah he's looking pretty good all right okay chuck are yes. you ready to pitch us i am i i have a I have kind of an entire cast, and I'm glad you chose someone who's got some bizarre um, views because all of my people are um, – I actually recast an old show that needs a comeback with people who need a comeback. And uh, uh, do you remember The Love Boat? Anybody? Absolutely. All right. So The Love Boat uh, – Oh, yeah. Of course. Oh, hell yeah. And, yeah. You know, that show these days – with Doc running around, Doc would be in a lot of trouble. Um, all the inappropriate stuff uh, that was going on in that show. Uh, so what I did was I recast it with people who have done inappropriate things who need a comeback. So, um, so, so, the, so the love boat it has first of all Amber Heard as Julie, the 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 cruise um, director, the, the the you know the 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 events director. Um, Bill Cosby is Isaac. Um, Kevin Spacey's Captain Steubing, um, Louis C.K. as Doc, and Woody Allen as Gopher, and uh, and 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 every week, uh, essentially, um, in this modern version of the Love Boat, you've got uh, uh, essentially the guests just doing everything they can to avoid these creepy, cringeworthy old dudes who just keep coming on to them and. Uh, and, and basically we, we kind of fuse that with, uh, the filming, uh, the, the, the mockumentary style filming of the office, because, uh, essentially, um, I'm going to cast someone who doesn't need to come back, but, uh, Bernie, um, uh, is, um, HR director, you know, so they, they go in and they feel the burn, uh, every time, um, they get in trouble. So that's my, that's my pitch. It's an updated uh, love boat with um, a bunch of people who don't know how to act around others. And the safest place is to put them on a boat where no one can escape. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. International waters. Yeah. yeah that's so, the one place. That's, that's, that's my, that's what I came up with. Two observations. One, Bill Cosby in the role he was born to play. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking because the HR person constantly has to check if he's if he's doping it, you know? Bill, once again, I'm asking you to not put something in those drinks. Amber Heard said it was okay. The other thing, though, I'm wondering, is there some sort of commentary in that Bernie Sanders 
He's usually on the right side of the issue. But he never seems to affect any change. Oh my gosh! Well, thank you I mean, for that's, that's you an just HR person you just right absolutely there, right? you just absolutely yeah. got something I didn't. Awesome yeah, I, I, I'm in for that. I, I agree with you. That that's a that's a good correlation. I think would almost be a better show would be the behind the scenes of that train wreck. <laughs> the actual <laughs> HR person on that show. Uh, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah. There you go. And then, like, wrangle those forehead. Yeah. Like, that would be great. So, we know the first guest star is going to be Bill Murray, right? Oh, too yeah, soon? There you is go. that too soon? There you go. <laughs> the, oh, yeah. yeah, he's, he's not to make light. Trouble. Apparently, he's working, he's working that out with the, uh, the person. Uh, and it looks like they might come to terms and finish the, the movie. So, that's, I just, I just killed the room. Sorry, guys. We'll all have to keep our fingers crossed. I'm also assuming Harvey Weinstein gets an associate producer credit. It's in his contract. Well, I was originally going with um, uh, some other people that are a little bit more um, holy, you know, like uh, uh, despicable, um, uh, even more so than them. I was going to go with some political figures, but I decided to stay off of that. I had, I, I did have in the beginning. I had Harvey Weinstein, Prince Andrew, Donald Trump, Governor Cuomo on the uh, in the cast but they aren't actors so there's a, a little, needless to say the show would have would never be wanting for guest stars um <laughs> there would be a steady stream lots of people with time on their hands oh the love boat exciting and new uh so okay that brings us to dawn <laughs> Okay, uh, so I hope I'm not playing too fast and loose with the down and out actor, but my choice would be Vigo Mortensen. Yeah, no, I think that's of good. Lord of the Rings yeah. fame. He could use a comeback. I love this he guy. Could use a comeback. I love this guy. He doesn't do a lot of stuff. I haven't seen him do anything uh, noteworthy since uh, the Green Book, which I didn't even watch. <laughs> uh, but my vehicle for him would be, and like the best way to, best way to come back nowadays, I think, would be in what? A superhero movie. Oh. And my choice for Vigo would be The Silver Surfer. Oh. Bom, okay. bom, bom. He would play Norman Rad. And I think he could give credence to, I think he would be able to make that movie. The cool sci-fi art house movie that they tried to do with the train wreck that was the Eternals. Mm, yeah, kind of like the Eternals. Uh, we could do an hour show about how much I hate that movie, but <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but that's just me. If you liked it, I'm totally cool with that. I just didn't. But I think uh, I think Silver Surfer has all the built-in like Shakespearean. Uh, uh, angst and horror that would make for a good sci-fi epic. You've got a character who, in Norrin Rad, who has to to save his world from Galactus, the world devourer, and give up his wife and family to do so, and his whole world to become the Silver Surfer. But conversely, which I never... I haven't seen enough in the comics, let alone a film, is that the Silver Surfer saves his his whole world and his, his family, but must divest from them completely and become the harbinger of death for billions of other possible humanoids or life forms in the galaxy. 
Like that is just the biggest mind F ever that I think would make a great dramatic epic film. And I think Vigo be dope as that. Obviously he played a humanoid, but then they CGI him for Silver Surfer. Um I'd have Kevin Grebo as the voice of Galactus. I don't know if you guys know who Kevin Grebo is. Yeah, yeah. Um he's a yeah, so the co-creator, co-writer of Underworld. He was the 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 big uh, African American guy who was a werewolf. I love his voice. It's it's almost alien sounding. Yeah, he's got a give bass Galactus. voice. Not yeah, voice right. And it would give Galactus the most terrifying alien type voice. And um, I think that would be just like the bomb movie, and I'd be all for that. And I'm putting out the universe, like. Kevin Feige, hear me. Yeah. Is this, we never hear, like, whenever they talk about doing a Silver Surfer thing or the Silver Surfer pops up and stuff, it's, they never talk about starting from his origin. He's always, like, he's always already the Surfer because it's always put in the context of, oh, he's the Herald of Galactus and Galactus shows up to Earth. It would be really interesting exactly. to see um, Marvel do sci-fi superhero where Earth doesn't even show up, like, Exactly. Have, have it be like the Galactus Galactus shows up to Zen law. Um, and that's the movie. And it's, you know, obviously Galactus is like the metaphor for, you know, climate change, that kind of thing, thing where Vigo Mortensen's character, um, Norrin rad, uh, is like the scientist who knows Galactus is coming and studying it. He's like, and he's warning people and no one's heeding the warning. Um, so then it, and it, that's exactly how I would do it. Yeah. So that's like why he chooses to become the surfer is like, you know, to sacrifice like, well, I got to save my planet and my family and everything. And this is the only way because no one will listen exactly. to me. I think that's a really that's a really good way to tackle that story. Um, and like the the appeal is so Norn Rad appeals to Galactus to save his world. Right. And it was, and he agrees. But then. Again, the ultimate like twist that like devil mischievous twist is sure you become my herald and you become you know the harbinger of death. Like, but again, he has to leave his family, his world, and murder billions of people. Like, how do you how do you you know wrap your head around that as, as a character? Would be amazing to see on screen. I think. Yeah, it would be an interesting setup because you'd have. He basically would be the villain. Like he, he makes the, you know, he sacrifices his happiness, but also the lives of billions, you know, like moving. Exactly. So that kind of plays into him being that alien, that cold alien who like has to shut himself down emotionally. And then you can do the stuff where he goes to earth and, you know, is reminded of like, Oh, these are real people. Maybe I should not be. Uh, leading Galactus to these sentient worlds and killing billions of people. Right. I'll turn I, against I did my his master. movie with him. Was that? I was gonna say, I'll turn against my master now to save Earth. Right. I I end his movie with him going to a planet that's rife with humanoid life, and him having to sit stand like stand there on his board. In orbit, watching Galactus devour the planet. Yeah. And just seeing that tear him up inside. And that would be the point where he decides no more. Oh. So when he does the, his appearance in like FF or something, 
then he starts turning against Galactus and all that jazz. I, here's here's my pitch for that: is at the end, you like he becomes a surfer, he saves Zenlaw, and you see him go like he leads Galactus to like the next planet, um, and like the first time he's broken up about it and he's horrified, but you know this is Galactus reminds him that this is the deal you made, and then you see it again, and it's like he's still torn up, but he doesn't say anything, and then by like the third or fourth time, he's just cold, like he is shut down. Um, and that's where you end his movie. So when he shows up in the Fantastic Four movie, you're like, oh, he's a bad guy. Like, totally now. He, like, he has given up. He is just, like, shut down completely. He is accepting these billions of people's of lives. He's just, he's the bad guy. And then, then you can do his turnaround where he's like, no, you've reawoken my humanity and I will stand against my bad guy. That's my pitch, is you end it where, like, oh, he's a bad guy now. But you could also have the Silver Surfer's feeling guilty. Then he comes across this world where it's like, well, you know, they have scientists. They know just 10 years away from environmental collapse and they don't care. So I'm just saving them from suffering. Oh, anyway. yeah. He you know, justifies it. Like, oh, good. Yeah. He has to justify it completely. He has to do that or he would just die. Like he would literally die inside otherwise. Oh, I'd like that. That maybe like his criteria is he goes to a planet and he's like, hey, this is what's going to happen. And depending on their reaction, um, it, it, like if the planet shows like, no, we have to like, we want to live. We will, we'll make the changes. We'll like do the things is they, like, okay, you guys deserve it. And then they're like, all right, he leaves and he takes Galactus to another planet, but a planet that's just like, we don't believe in science. He's like, all right, cool. Galactus. Go <laughs> that's what I, I, I was going to say, like, he, he has a I was going to say, this could be like a, like an 11 minute movie, um, where, you know, Sil silver surfer comes down to earth turns on like first thing he sees is like fox news or something and he's like oh screw no no they, these guys are going down this is done this planet <laughs> this planet not worth saving now. galactus yeah uh everything's set up i i set them up you knock them down brother <laughs> it just leaves you know movies will, they start running the <laughs> you got this big g <laughs> they start running the credits you know um <laughs> I also love uh, Vigo Morgenstern. Did you say Vigo Morgenstern? It's Mortensen, uh, yeah, I think. I, don't know. I, I love it because I just watched an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where one of the characters calls him that. <laughs> and the guy from Lord of the Rings, Vigo Morgenstern. Or he calls him Victor Morgenstern. <laughs> it's like, first of all, that's not his name. Anyways, I like Vigo for two reasons. I'm blind. I think Vigo shirtless would draw. Uh, no, like. I don't want to put that kind of pressure on him. I mean, yeah, he went like full nude for that Russian movie, but that was like 15 years ago. He's like, he's like right. in his sixties now. Uh, so you, he's a little worse for wear. CGI, I think now. Man. Not yeah. everyone can, uh, can Wolverine it. Like, um, what's his name? Okay. Yeah. We have CGI too. The other thing is both silver surfer and Lord of the rings have reality dialogue that can be really tricky. We know he's an actor that can act that, so I think yeah, he'd be. He can act. We know this. Yeah, he's a hell of an actor. That's that's why I like him for that character. He would give him, uh, just some authority and some serious. He he'd make him legit. Like he Silver Surfer, he could easily screw that character up and make him silly. Because he's literally a surfer, and then you you wouldn't believe in him. 
right? He's a surfer. Like, just the name sounds silly enough nowadays to the, the general public, probably. But, uh, yeah, he would give the some gravity to the character. I think, and we know he's no stranger to genre genre movies or comic book movies. He's in a history of violence. That's right, based on a comic book. Oh yeah, I don't know. If, is he in any other? Well, he was in the road. Uh, that that was is that? he in any other comic? Book he, movie? It, it's not a comic book, but uh, he did a fantastic job um, of the uh, of the novel. Yeah, um, the road for film. Yeah, he did. Another great movie. Uh, Captain Fantastic is. <laughs> All right. Well, Don, that was excellent. We got Silver Surfer. Uh, Vigo Morgan Stern <laughs> as the Silver Surfer. The great origin <laughs> movie. Um, and that's also because it could also, man, really thinking about it, it could really fit like the, the Marvel um, formula because you could have like Norrin Rad has to try to figure out how to defeat the current Herald of Galactus. Um, and what, what... So that's the super powered bad guy. What what you could do also is um, do that movie as a six episode Disney Plus show before Fantastic Four comes out. That's true. Oh, definitely. That's true. Yeah, I didn't think about yeah. that. That's a good. That's a good idea. Do that. Uh, great, great way to bring them on board. That WandaVision yeah, formula. We, uh, apparently, not the yeah. Moon Knight formula, though. I don't know if you guys know that, but Oscar Isaac only agreed to do Moon, Moon Knight if it meant he didn't have to do anything else ever again with Marvel. Really? So Moon Knight might not ever show <laughs> up again once his series is done, yeah. He's like, he didn't want to commit. They're doing a good job of keeping it somewhat in the Marvel world, but not really going too much into the other Marvel world stuff, characters and everything else. So, um, Well, they're yeah. not even really going into Moon Knight that often, but uh, I, I do like the show, though. But I, I, I don't know anything about Moon Knight. I never read a Moon Knight comic in my life. And um, I can I, I feel like I still haven't seen very much Moon Knight. So, I mean, it's kind of like I read a little bit of Moon Knight in the 80s where he really did. Oh, yeah, yeah before they like he had, when he was introduced, he was like a weird supernatural bounty hunter, like hunting down werewolf by night. Um, and then like he really was kind of just a Batman-y type kind of superhero. And it wasn't until like, I think the early 2000s where they really leaned into like the weirdness, like they made it multiple personalities and they made like the, like his relationship with, with the God more complex. Yeah. Personally, he had, pers- he had uh, the whole interpersonality thing going on from jump, like his, his regular series from the eighties. That was part of the, his, his, shit. but wasn't it more like those um, were, those that- were alternate identities not like alternate personalities. Like he had like, when I'm, when I need to be a mercenary, I'm Mark Spector. When I need to gather information, I'm the cabbie. When I'm the billionaire playboy, I'm this other yeah. dude. But now it's like distinct personalities. Yeah, yeah. I believe it was, but they, they did lean into it more in the, his like second regular okay. series. Like the, the fist of Conchu really went in there like hard. <laughs> and then the like 2000s one was all about the, yeah. the personalities. Like, Personalities first, superhero stuff second. So yeah, and they they've, they've tried real hard, I think, just to differentiate himself from Batman because yeah. he was just kind of a Batman clone at first. But I've always dug him though, so I mean, I always love to. Yeah, it's a great costume. It's a right? Yeah, I think that costume is uh, is awesome. I, right. I love how it. Uh, I love it how it brings in the elements of a of a mummy, and it's it's just fantastic. 
Now, Andy, hit me with your pitch. Okay, cool, cool. So, yes, comebacks. Today, I am not just pitching a comeback for beloved SNL personality Dana Carvey. I'm also pitching a comeback for the movie that originally derailed his career. Today, I will be pitching Master of Disguise 2, colon, yes, wow. this is really happening. In the movie, he'll star as Dana Carvey. We're doing the whole meta thing. He's husband, father, former famous comedian. He says he's happy to be out of the Hollywood rat race. You know, every so often, his teen son will tease him about the colossal career-ending flop, Master of Disguise. Anna Carvey kind of laughs it off, but we can tell. It stings. And later, we're going to learn why it stings. Because while Dana was making Master of Disguise, he was absolutely positive that this was going to be one of the funniest classic comedies of all time. That he could have been so disastrously wrong. It just shattered his confidence. And... He was never able to trust his instincts as a comedian again. Anyways, the movie kicks into gear when Pistachio Travestimento, played by Dana Carvey in makeup, shows up at his doorstep. Now, who is Pistachio? Pistachio is the original screenwriter of Master of Disguise, and he has had this decades-long argument with Dana that he took, that Dana took his edgy political thriller and turned it into a silly comedy. Dana thinks Pistachio is just there to rehash all the old arguments. Then Pistachio collapses. He's got a dagger in his back, and his dying words are, it wasn't a comedy. It was a life. Now, on his body, Dana Pistachio is carrying a high-tech disguise kit and a thumb drive containing a clip from Dana's 2002 comedy. Only, there's something different about this clip. It's hilarious. It seems like this is the comic masterpiece Dana Carvey always believed he had been making. So Dana Carvey must have answers. What does this mean? To find out, Dana disguises himself as Pistachio Travestimento and learns that there was a real secret society of masters of disguise who somehow sabotaged the original cut of his film so that it would flop, so that no one would believe that the masters of disguise really existed. Only now, the organization has learned that one copy of the original cut of the film exists, and they have to destroy it before it exposes them, and they have used a combination of blackmail and threats to get Pistachio to help them track it down. So Dana, as Pistachio, learns that this last copy of the original cut of the movie exists on the Paramount lot. Unfortunately, this is now the 2020s instead of the 90s. So the earliest meeting Dana Carvey can get at Paramount is like with this junior exec three months from now. That's not going to work. So Dana has to swallow his pride and ask Mike Myers, who I believe will be played <laughs> by Ryan Gosling in prosthetics, to team up with him to pitch Wayne's World the Paramount Plus limited series to Paramount. And after Paramount gets over their shock, wait, really, you want a Paramount Plus limited series? They're like, oh, hell yeah, come on down. Once on the lot, Dana tracks down the original cut of the movie, but is confronted by none other than Oscar-winning editor, Thelma Schumacher. She explains that from the birth of Hollywood, there has also been a secret society of editors. This society has protected audiences from overly long and pretentious cuts by self-important Hollywood directors. They made a deal with the Secret Society of Masters of Disguise to sabotage the cut of Dana's film and ensure its failure. Now, Thelma, as the head of the Secret Society of Editors, was supposed to destroy all copies of the original cut of the film. But she couldn't because, you know, in her heart, she is a movie lover. And the original cut is really, really funny. So she kept one copy. Well, okay, but then, who killed Passaccio? 
Well, it's not Thelma. She's a national treasure. We can't say that. But Thelma can't answer that question because now she has a dagger in her back, stabbed by Mike Myers. Mike Myers confesses that he brokered the original deal between the Masters of Disguise and the Secret Society of Editors because he thought if he could just destroy Dana Carvey's career, he could finally realize his dream of making a Wayne's World movie without Garth. Well, it turns out Thelma's not quite dead. And she pushes Mike into an old school film cutter, editing Mike Myers to death. Because even in death, Thelma gets final cut. And with her dying breath, Thelma begs Dana not to release the original cut of Masters of the Skies. If the truth came out, it would destroy the secret society of editors. This would lead to four-hour Transformers movies, six-and-a-half-hour Quentin Tarantino movies, maybe an eight-hour re-release of Gangs of New York. Think of the audience's Dana. Dana is conflicted. He has in his hands a cut of the movie that could redeem his reputation and revive his career. But there's this thing. In impersonating Pistachio Travismento, he's had a glimpse of someone who destroyed his life chasing Hollywood success. Dana realizes it's just not worth it. But he does have a private screening of the movie at his house. And when his teen son leans over and tells him, wow, this is really funny, that is all the validation Dana Carvey needs. Holy End of movie. Fantastic. Because into that. I dig that. That's three awesome. things. Number one, Ryan Gosling as Mike Myers. Genius. Number three, the Dana Carvey oh, yeah. in his 60s has a teenage son. Perfect, because that's Hollywood, and that's how Hollywood works. And three, yeah, Dana Carvey. Love it. He's one of my favorites. Fantastic job. Our generation, like, bro, is like, he should have been bigger because he was so good, but he never quite broke through yeah. probably because of Masters of the Sky. And also the cancer thing. Totally but those two yeah. things really derailed his career. Wait, what was the other one? Cancer. Oh, yeah. If you don't know, he had to take a lot of time off because of cancer. I heard it was a blocked artery in his heart. And he had to redo the surgery. And when they did, they found out that the previous surgeon operated on the wrong artery by mistake. Oh, wow. I always thought it was cancer. Oh, yeah. Anywho, anywho. That's crazy. I, I think I might have even mentioned it, this on the show before, but like as a kid, or as a, as, as a college student, I think at this point, my friends and I, we all wanted for Austin Powers for either the second or the third one. After the second one happened and the third one was going to happen, we still held out hope, is that the villain would be played by Dana Carvey. Like that's what we wanted more than anything. Um, but of course that didn't happen, but you know, cause I, you're either a Wayne or you're Garth and me and my friends, we were more Garths. I, I, I loved Garth. You need Garth for the Wayne's world movies to work, you know? Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. Carvey's fantastic. And that would be a hilarious yeah. movie. Yeah. That, that was, I'd be that, all for that. that. That was not only, that was not only, uh, that was not only, uh, um, Take my money now. You, you put time into that, and and I got to tell you, I really like it. And I'm in my head, I'm playing that uh, that gif where uh, the guy from Futurama is just giving you all his money. I'm just flipping it out at you right now. Can you hear me? It's me. Just, I'm just, just give right? me my money. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> Great work, Andy. That's I knew saving you for last would pay off. I'm disgusted know, yeah. with myself and the amount of time that I put in to the amount of time that you clearly put in. I just want to apologize to everyone listening to for my laziness <laughs> compared to, to Andy. Jesus.
Maybe we'll give you with your next Kickstarter, we'll give you a yeah. chance to come on and redeem yourself you with go. a extended pitch. All right, and I believe now that takes us to the end of our comeback episode. Um, I want to thank our guests here. Uh, let's go again. Uh, Dawn, go ahead and tell people again what you're plugging about your Kickstarter, where they can find you, what how they can support you as a creator and an artist. Oh, yeah. So, again, Don Walker, you can uh, find my uh, available books at www.dorkempireinc.bigcartel.com. Look out for uh, Dreadlock the Barbarian in August. And look for me on Kickstarter in May, May 20th, for The Dawn Sketchbook Number 2, nice. Futures. And, uh, yeah, I'm around on Instagram and Facebook. Hit right. me up. Again, thank you, Don, for being on. Chuck, tell us again, when, what date does that Kickstarter yes, end? Yes, uh, it ends on May 11th at 10 o'clock, um, so uh, a couple of days before this show airs. And um, uh, it's, uh, again, it's called Up Bitter Souls, 400-page uh, hardcover omnibus uh getting a lot of uh, getting a lot of views we're 92 percent funded project we love by kickstarter uh and you can find out about other stuff that i'm doing at um at my website defective comics with an x.com uh and i'm on twitter as well perfect all right andy oh we lost him andy dropped off andy did you andy's gone i'm gonna give him a second to come back I'll do my plugs here. And I'm Michael Tanner. I'm the host here of Burn After Pitching. My Kickstarter, Battle Grapple Rebel, Grap, Battle Grapple Rebel, will have closed, I believe, the day this episode goes up. So chances are you might have a few hours if you listen to this right away. We are fully funded, but that's just the start of the story. We need more money to pay our fantastic inkers and artists and letterers and everyone uh, to fulfill this book. Uh, you can also read my new series, uh, Orcs in Space, which uh, Volume 2 has just been released. It's a hilarious sci-fi comedy about orcs traveling through space. And uh, you can read the final four issues on Comixology monthly when those issues come out. Uh, you can also visit me on my website, buymichaeltanner.com. Visit my web store where you can buy my comic book so visit bymichaeltanner.com where you can be ui michael tanner comic books i'm andy nordwall you can find my stuff at andynordwall.com and uh check out my mermaid story hashtag mermaid 2022 you can check my instagram which is at by andy Arwal, or my artist page bar who is at page arts around thank you for listening this has been Burn After Pitching. You can find us on Twitter at Burn Pitching, at Burning Pitch. Just Google Burn After Pitching and find our Twitter. You guys know how Twitter works. Uh, if you want to tweet at us, uh, use the hashtag Burning Pitch. Uh, our outro and intro music was done by Carlisle Laurent. Visit our mother network, the Grand Geek Gathering, for all their other great shows. And if you're going to any conventions, request there be a panel by the Grand Geek Gathering. We do a lot of great panels, unnecessary debates, most extreme ranking challenge. If you're going to be in Los Angeles, uh, June 11th and 12th for Ronin Expo that it's in Little Tokyo in downtown Los Angeles that is an anime themed convention but we are doing a big panel for unnecessary debates on that show uh again we have a lot of competition for your ears we know that and if you're listening to this we want to thank you very much and don't forget to GGG. Burn, burn.